0: This time last week, I was about as sick as eight dogs. And uh, my dear sister brought me some vinegar. Praise God for vinegar. How many of y'all ever took vinegar? That's some of the best sleep you'll ever get. Boy, you take a whole when you go into sleepy time down south, I don't mind telling you. But that was a far uh, better choice than just in throwing up so uh, I, do, I do appreciate Judy looking after her little brother once again along that line but I said that to say this that there wasn't a whole lot to do uh, between trips to the, to the bathroom uh, to watch a little TV and uh, to see the reaction on television to the events in El Paso and the events in Dayton Ohio they call these men shooters and I take exception to that because I'm a shooter I own firearms. I enjoy shooting them. These men are murderers. That's what these men are. Well, one of them is a were, and the other one isn't are. And you have them from both political extremes. The individual in El Paso was a white supremacist. He wrote a manifesto, put it on uh, the Internet, and uh, he went after a, a, a mostly Hispanic a group of folks at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. And after he killed 22, uh, he uh, gives up, throws his gun down, throws his hands up. I give up, I give up. That is the reason why Brother Andy ain't the police, because Brother Andy just shot you. <laughs> yes, that's why Gary ain't police either. <laughs> Brother Gary and I, would just shot him. I mean, you are, oh, man, sorry about that. Now, I'm not making light of this situation. I'm just saying that, that for whatever, whatever this man thinks he's going to accomplish by, you know, not uh, putting a bullet in his own brain, of, I don't know. But then you have the opposite political spectrum in Dayton, Ohio, where a man who was described as an atheist devil worshiper. And to me, that's an oxymoron. If you're a devil worshiper, you're not an atheist if you worship the devil But uh, he was a Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren supporter. He was from the completely other side of the political spectrum. So we see there's got to be a common denominator here somewhere when individuals of opposite political uh, leanings uh, exhibit the same behavior. And it's because they're evil. Now, you know, that is a reality that people don't want to uh, accept. Because it's something you have to deal with no matter where you live. We have to deal with evil men, men, women in Chattooga County. They live here among us. There are people in this county who are capable of going to our Walmart and gunning down as many people as they can before uh, our law enforcement shows up on the scene to uh, stop them one way or the other. They live among us. We live in the presence of evil men. And evil men do evil things. You know why? Because they're evil. Evil has been present in the world since the fall of Adam and Eve. And the presence of evil is predicated upon the presence of sin. Our country does, now they, 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 they try to put it, well, we need more, it's a mental health issue. These folks aren't really to blame, they just, they're just crazy. So we need to put them, no, these people are to blame. They're, they're, they are to be held accountable for their actions. Amen. Brother Andy, you pretty, you know, do you uh, believe in the death penalty? Yeah, I do. I believe it's scriptural, and I believe in justice. Amen. So you got these folks, got one that's a liberal, got one that's a a, a conservative, got one that's a Trump guy, got another one that's a Bernie Sanders guy, and they both exhibit the same behavior, and they both murder innocent people. That guy in Dayton killed his own sister. Now, where do you go? And here's the thing, drove her to the place. And then when he decided to get out and start shooting everything, he shoots her. You know, if you're looking for logic here, you won't find it. If you're looking for an explanation, go to the Bible. They're evil. They commit evil acts because they're evil men. The psalmist in Psalm 140 and 1 are our text tonight. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. This is a situation that mankind has had to deal with, like I said, since the fall of Adam and Eve. Oh, did you see the other guy that killed four people with a knife before they got him? He stabbed four people to death. Now, you haven't heard anybody come out for knife control. This has been labeled as gun violence. What are you going to do about gun violence? The gun ain't the issue. The issue is the person using it. And it is the condition of our society today. We have sown to the wind in the 1960s, and we are reaping the whirlwind in 2019. Amen. I lived during the 60s. I remember that whole, you know, that's associated a lot with hippie and flower children and stuff. It is also associated with a rebellion against the God of the Bible. We do not want anything to do with the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible places restrictions on my behavior, and I want to do as I please, I want to look as I please. I want to act as I please. And whatever feels good to me, I want to be able to do it. And I don't want anybody telling me what I can or cannot do. That started in the 60s. And now we reap the whirlwind with the behaviors of men in 2019. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. Proverbs 24 and 1, do not be envious of evil men nor desire to be with them. Then in Proverbs 28 and 5, evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Evil men do not understand justice. They uh, they live according to a completely different set of priorities and rules that they impose upon themselves or lack of such, I should say. In Acts 17 and 5, listen, But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace. So we're going all the way back to the book of Acts here, where they are described as evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob. If you thought this Antifa deal was just, you know, something recent, it isn't. Evil men have been gathering gathering in a mob for centuries. Have you ever noticed why? Why ain't they no Antifa? a demonstration here in Somerville. You don't see one here. There ain't one in Lafayette. I ain't heard of one in Fort Payne, Alabama. You know why? Because they know if they come down here with that that mess, somebody's going to put a knot on somebody's head. There are some folks who've been conditioned just to roll over and take it, but there's others of us, especially who live in the blessed south, that says, you ain't going to beat on me with that stick, not without paying the consequences for it. So there have always been evil men, and they've always gathered in a mob. And it says, set all the city in an uproar and attack the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. My point here being that the evil men were there. They were in the marketplace. They were gathered together. They organized. They committed violence and mayhem, and they do that. Has anyone ever watched some of the video of, of the Antifa protesters, especially that one where they're beating on that building? How many of y'all can tell that's a woman at the end of that building trying to beat on that window? She never did get it broke, but bless her little pee-picking heart, she tried her best. And I've seen that thing on several times, and I get tickled when I do because I keep thinking, if that woman was still there trying to beat that window, she never, never got it broke till now. And they're setting stuff on fire and, I, you know, and then attacking folks and, and uh, perpetuating harm on people. This is nothing new. I've said all that to bring us to this point. This is nothing new. This behavior is nothing new. It has been with men since men were. Cain killed his brother Abel, and he did it because of sin. Amen. Now, in 2 Timothy 3 and 13, here's the prophecy for us. This is the day in which we're living. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. What does the Bible teach us? Not to be shocked by these events, but to understand that evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. It's not going to get any better until the Lord comes. It is just a scriptural fact. We are going to have to deal with the conduct of evil men regardless of what instrument is in their hand that enables them to perform their evil deeds. It's with us. We're going to have to deal with it until Jesus comes. Now, as I shared with you, even I'm going somewhere. Hang on. Evil men and women commit evil deeds. Women are not left out. These are evil women. Electric Light Orchestra wrote a whole song about it. Evil woman. Some of you are as old as I am. Remember that. They're evil women. They're women. There's some women. Now, none of y'all are here. Every woman in this sanctuary is just as sweet as sweet tea and peanuts. But there's some women I've known over there that will cut you in your sleep, would shoot you, what you laughing at, Marty? Would shoot you in a heartbeat. Amen. Evil men and women commit evil deeds. But here's the thing. When we listen to the news, here are the proposed remedies. But well, we need new laws legislation cannot remove evil. What the man did in El Paso was against the law. What the man did in Dayton was against the law. The fellow that stabbed him four people to death, he he broke the law when he did it. Evil men do not care what laws we put on the books because they intend to break them without regret. Well, it's a, it's a question of education. Education cannot remove evil. <coughs> These folks went to school. These folks received an education. We've just, it's just a historical fact. Well, if we can just educate, we can learn them better. You can't learn an evil man better. Because it's not a question of his intellect, it's a question of his DNA, it's in his genetic code, it's in his flesh. He is who he is because that's what he is. Only the regenerating power of the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the heart or the flesh of mankind. I'm going I didn't get this out of a book, folks, all right. This came straight from the you know, Lord. Only the regenerating power of the gospel of Christ, Jesus Christ, can change the heart of mankind and of evil men. The solution to this problem is not a legislative one. The solution to this problem is not an educational one. The solution to this problem is a spiritual one. And the Lord has set himself to solve it. We are going to enter a kingdom where no sin exists. We're going to enter a kingdom devoid of evil men. There will be no evil men in the kingdom of God. As the old song says, and the achens will be busy far away. Hallelujah. Now let's look at what the word of the Lord has to share with us tonight. John 3 and 1. And all this is familiar scripture. I ain't going to share anything, no new revelation with you tonight. Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Well, what does that mean in this context? Put it this way, you can be born again. Anybody can be born again. It's not a question of turning over a new leaf. It's a question of getting a brand new book. It's not a question of a change of mind. It is a question of a change of heart. It is a question of a spiritual DNA superseding physical DNA. Hallelujah. When we are born again into the family of God, our DNA comes straight from the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Woo! And when that happens, praise God, everything changes. Brother Andrew, are you telling me these evil, wicked men who perform these awful acts that there was a possibility for them? I stand flat-footed and tell you that any man and every man, you can be born again. That is the message of this church. That is why we are here, to make a public declaration. We believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel, because it contains power to change the heart of men. And can't nothing do it like the gospel. To be regen- that's what we call regeneration, to be born again, to be changed completely into a completely different person with a different mindset, different priority, different behavior, different desires. What happens when a man is born again? His desires change. I tell you what, I, got a little put out. I get a little put out with folks now over the years. Because I'm really not a professional at this. When people come around and, and it's all, just uh, preacher, tell me what I can get away with. You need to get born again. If that's your mindset. I, all I want to know is just fire insurance. You need to get born again. All I want to know is, is what I can do and get away with it and still go to heaven. You need to get born again. Because I'm telling you, there's an experience you can have with God that when you come up out of that altar, the only question in your mind is, Lord, what would you have me to do? I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more about that mansion. I want to know what he expects of me. I want to know what he desires from me. It is my heart's desire to conform myself into the image of Christ. I want the spirit of almighty God to lead me in every decision that I make. I want to be led of the spirit. Hallelujah. I want the grace of God to teach me how God wants me to live. It's a completely different priority. Instead of living for self, I now live for him. Instead of my will, now it's thy will be done. Let's look at a couple of my favorite examples in the word of God. Luke 19 and 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was a short crook. So he, and I'm not knocking short people because a lot of short people ain't crook. This guy just happened to be short and a crook. So he ran ahead and climbed up in the sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. That last phrase is reported. He received him. When you read the word received in the New Testament, that means to lay hold of. Zacchaeus come down to that, out of that tree and he laid hold of Jesus Christ spiritually. Hallelujah. In his mind, he had made up his mind that I'm going to follow him. He had made up his mind to believe what he had heard about this man. This not uh, any ordinary rabbi. This man is the son of God. He received him, laid hold of him joyfully. I've never read it anywhere <coughs> or talked to anyone who said, I received Christ, and there was no joy involved. There's always joy involved when you lay hold of the Lord. Woo, Brother Andy, I'm depressed. I don't feel good. What do I need to do? You need to get a hold of Jesus. Did you notice folks getting a hold of Jesus this morning? Wasn't that great? Praise God. Hallelujah. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying he is going to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. He went to eat supper at a casino. That's another message. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. What happened to Zacchaeus between the time he skinned up that tree and he skinned down that tree? He got himself born again. It was a different man who climbed down out of that tree than climbed up into that tree. And the difference in that man was the presence of Jesus Christ and his acknowledgment of who he was. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also was a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus got born, that's awful grammar, but it's good preaching. Zacchaeus got himself born again, and when he did, everything changed. What happened to this man? He went from worshiping money to worshiping Jesus. Instead of money being the most important object in his life, Jesus Christ becomes the most important person in his life. And and when that happens, when Jesus becomes your all in all, I mean more than just saying what sounds good in church. I'm talking about when that becomes a real real fact, when that becomes reality, we change. His grace changes us. We are regenerated and are born again. Praise God. Here's my second best example. Acts 9 and 1. Then Saul, good old Saul of Tarsus. Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, church, where the men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Take notice what the Lord did not say. Saul, you are persecuting my church. He said, Saul, you are persecuting me. Now, I could spend another six hours getting into how the church is the body of Christ, But this is what the Lord told Saul. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He didn't say you're persecuting my church. He didn't say you're persecuting my denomination. He didn't say you're persecuting my religious sect. He said, Saul, you are persecuting me. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. What do you mean by that? What he meant by that was that old Saul of Tarsus had been having trouble since he saw a brother named Stephen martyred and received up into the presence of the Lord. He stood there and held their coats so they could get a better swing on them rocks, but he saw a man of God die and it messed him up. You know what happens to folks? A lot of them, before they get saved, they get mean. A lot of folks under conviction get mean. That's the, and you, you tell, hey, praise God, they're mean, they're under conviction. <laughs> I know, Brother Andy, but I can't hardly live with them. But hey, take courage. The meaner they get, the worse they feel. And Saul had experienced this because he couldn't get it straight in his mind about this man who stood there and said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. I don't think he fell a rock. I think when that first rock hit him, that that the angels of the Lord removed his spirit from his body and it just fell down and they just thumped that old dead body with the rest of them rock. But that's just old brother Andy's commentary. Verse 6, so he, Saul... Trembling and astonished, said, "Lord, what do you want me to do? This man just got born again. Jesus has knocked him off his camel on the road to Damascus. Brother Andy, Bible don't say nothing about him riding on no camel. Well, Saul of Tarsus was a wealthy man. I don't figure he's riding no donkey. Whatever Lincoln or Cadillac they had back then, Saul was on it. Cause Saul was not no poor cat." That Roman centurion said, hey, it cost me a lot of money to buy this privilege of being a Roman citizen. And Buddy Paul shot back at him and said, son, I was born free. And that centurion took a step back. You know what that meant? That meant his, his family had money, that they had power, that they had position. He was a freeborn Roman citizen. That meant he had money in the bank. Lord, what would you want me to do then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Saul of Tarsus, a man up and coming in the Pharisee denomination, a man of wealth. He may have been a widow by this time. We don't know that scriptural theological speculation. Saul may have been a widow by that, widower, I should say, by this time. What we do know about him is that he had a legal warrant set out to come into meetings like this and disrupt it. See, we have no idea, no concept of what these folks, our brothers in the first century, experienced. I'm talking about people coming in the door and taking us up off the pew, me off the platform, putting us in handcuffs and throwing us in jail. Now, we've never heard of that happening. None of us have, living here in the beloved South. But it was a reality for that first century church, and Saul of Tarsus was the main one who would come and get you and slap your hide in prison. And if not, have you killed? This man had Christians killed, executed. He was the worst persecutor of the church. But God, showing himself glorious, says, I will reach down and take the worst of the worst and transform him into the best of the best. Now, just put that in your post-toasties for a second. I will reach down to the man who is the greatest persecutor of the church, and I will transform him into the greatest of the apostles of the church. I'll take this same man, and through the Holy Spirit, he will pen the majority of the New Testament. I'll take this same man, and I'll do a work in him in all these cities where he's gone to persecute the church. Now he is going to preach the gospel, and the Christians are rightfully wary of that. Man, I don't know. I heard his preaching. What? Who, Saul? Yeah, man, I heard Saul of Tarsus was preaching. Man, he ain't preaching. <clears throat> he got my uncle last year. He got two of my cousins. He got my aunt, Versi. I heard he's preaching. He can't be preaching. Well, that's the meanest white man ever rode a camel. He's preaching. I heard he's preaching. You want to come hear him? Can you imagine how they felt? What are you saying, Brother Andy? I'm saying there's power in the presence of the Lord to change a man, woman, boy, or girl instantly in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. I'm telling you there is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is power in the the regenerating presence of God's Holy Spirit that there is power to change that person instantly. That is the message that we preach You cannot legislate evil out of a man. You can't educate it out of a man. The only hope for evil mankind is the gospel of Jesus Christ where it contains the power to be born again into a completely new person, justified just as if they had never sinned ever. Hallelujah. Now let's look on to what Paul told Timothy. Timothy. What we are to do between now and the time, for the next 30 years, between now and the time the Lord comes back. 2 Timothy 3, kicking up at 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What is the Lord's message to us on our 30th birthday? We must continue in the things which we have learned we must continue in that which we know is right. We must continue in the word of God rightly divided. We must continue worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. We must continue and be, be sensitive to the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Ghost in everything that we do, every work that, that we complete, every decision that we make. As many in the church lose their way and fall to the enticement of fame, power, and the approval of sinners, we must stand firm upon the word of God. That is why we are here for such a time as this. Now I can preach. I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty. How many of y'all know a lady named Beth Moore? You ever heard of Beth Moore? She's lost her natural mind. She is right, sis. That's my that's my best support. People don't know that. That baby right there. Brother, how can you say that? She's world famous. She got books on Christian book distributor uh, catalog. That thick. Beth Moore this, Beth Moore that. And I've I i do not know anything about her teaching or nothing. All I'm telling you is that she has come out and said, you know, I have evolved or I have changed in my thinking concerning the LGBTQ, FBI, CIA, IRS, whatever letters are left. Let me get serious with you. You don't change what the Word of God has to say. And when that Bible says abomination, God ain't joking. If you could could speak with the former citizens of Sodom and Gomorrah, they could tell you that God ain't joking. Now, I don't judge this woman. I'm not a judge. I'm just saying that's what she's come out and said. And as a minister of the gospel, I got to stand up and say, Lady, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. T.D. Jakes, I'm evolving on my views concerning homosexuality. You lost it, man. You lost it. Why? Why? Because there is an enticement. We want sinners to love us. If only we get sinners to love us, Brother Andy. Get them sinners to love us. Sinners don't love us. Sinners ain't going to love us. We make sinners uncomfortable. When we get to the place that sinners are comfortable around us, we're in trouble. I told you this morning, I watched on Facebook. Mark Williams, pastor of North Cleveland Church of God. They blacked out North Cleveland. (laughs) If F.J. Lee were in his grave, he'd be rolling, but he's not. He's shouting around the throne of God. Former General Overseer, Church of God. Smart guy, educated man, outstanding Bible teacher. Man, they tell me up and down. He said, I have watched my last young person leave North Cleveland because we refuse to give in to the way things are going now. We we are refusing to give in to give in to the new way. We are refusing, you know, because we have have a a traditional issue with like smoke machines and blacking everything out and a light show and all this other whiz-bang. You know why it come down to that? Where's the Holy Ghost? Where's the Holy Ghost? Church of God wasn't built on a light show and a smoke machine. God raised up the Church of God because of the Holy Ghost. People came to Church of God meetings because of the Holy Ghost. People came to hear J.W. Buckaloo not because he was pretty or he had holes in the bottom of his shoes. They came because of the Holy Ghost. They became because of the Spirit of God anointing the Word of God and they had an experience unlike anything else we see, we, 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 don't, we don't go back to the historical record. Buckaloo is in Gadsden, and they put up a carnival across the street, a carnival with rides, a carnival, cotton candy, all this other stuff that put me in the hospital if I ate it. That's right. Across the street, they put up a carnival. Oh, my God, I feel a whole put up a carnival across the street from the tent. And they shut the carnival down because nobody's going. Why are they going to the tent to hear this crazy man from Tryon, Georgia get up behind an old wooden pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because the Holy Ghost was there? Amen. Amen. You can't take his place. Don't come up to me and say, we need to do this or that. Nothing takes his place. I am not willing to trade him for nothing else. Oh preacher, don't you know if you do this or that or you get or you get this money, if you black your your building out and, and you know you get your praise team uh, uh, worship and you get that smoke and them lights twitching all that, how many people you can keep it, Doc? I'll take the Spirit of God and four or five people. Hallelujah. I am not willing to trade him for any device that will draw a crowd in. What good have I done them if I did? What good have I done them if I did? Will they experience conviction of sin? Oh, no. We can't offend nobody. This gospel is offensive. This gospel declares that you're lost. You were born lost. You were raised lost. And you're lost. And if you don't get right with God, you're going to die. This body will. And your spirit is going to inhabit the infernal region. In other words, when you die, two demons are going to come pick you up and escort you to the presence of hell itself. And it is over for you, friend. People don't want to hear that. You offend me. You, you're raining on my parade. you're telling me that I can't do this and go to heaven and I can't do that and go to heaven and I can't do the other and go to heaven. I'm telling you you can't do what that Bible says you can't do and go to heaven. Hallelujah. But people don't oh brother, you can't do that. you'll offend folks, they may leave, they may leave, but I got one goal in mind, beloved. I'm going to stand before Jesus and lift up hands and no man's blood's going to be on them. That's my goal. I want to see people born again into the kingdom of God because that's the only hope they got. Because the enemy is on a rampage in that world. And there are people who are living or existing I should say without the protection of the shed blood of Christ on them and they are susceptible. Oh, but Brother Andy, we got a psychological profile. These folks, they're loners, they're outcasts and this other st- and I've been around kids like that. I understand that. But what I'm saying is that there's hope for them. I'm telling you the grace of God can reach down to a kid that's got himself all messed up. I mean, he's all messed up. He's on the Internet, on these places. He's playing these games. He's got his mind full of garbage, and he's all messed up. He is a loner. He shuns society. He stays in the basement. You know, if mom and dad don't know, you know, really that much about, about what he does. And he just lives in his own little world. I have good news tonight. There's power in the gospel of Jesus. And the grace of God can reach down to where this kid lives and touch him and change him forever. I'm telling you that the gospel of Jesus Christ is able to make a change. Hallelujah. And the word of God declares, and such were some were you. Isn't that what the apostle said? Who's he talking to? He ain't talking to the Kiwanis Club. He's talking to the church. And such were some of you. But something happened. You've been born again. You've been regenerated. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. You've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. You've committed yourself to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with everything you got to serve him with. Your whole life has changed. Every priority, every decision that you make has now changed because of him. Zacchaeus was a wee little old crook and a wee little old crook was he until he met Jesus and got his heart right with God and was born again and said, I don't worship money anymore. Threw it to the wind. Bible said he was rich. Society would say he became poor because he did that. Ask Ozacchaeus today if he made the right decision. Whatever happened to that old boy anyway, he died. Ozacchaeus died dead as a hammer. They buried his body. You know what happened when he died? The angels of the Lord came down and brought him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, we don't know if he decided which side of Calvary he died on. But if he died on this side, they took him to Abraham's bosom. But if he died on the other side, he went straight to the gates. Praise God. What about Saul of Tarsus? A man who gave up all this stuff that so many people seek after today. So many religious people seek after today. Oh, let's just shake it on down to the Where so many Pentecostal folks seek after today. Who have lost their way. I'm ready to be offered up. I'm ready to be poured out like a drink offering. I'm ready to be offered up. My time is at hand, Timothy. I'm good to go. There ain't nothing in this world I'm, I, I, that I care to hang on to. Because you see, I know a man who was caught up. I know a man who saw things. It is unlawful for him to repeat what he saw. I know where I'm going. I know what my future holds. And because I no longer fear death, praise God, I'll welcome it. I'm ready to be offered up as a sacrifice. Hallelujah. I've I've run the race. I've finished the course. I have kept the faith. What happened to this man who had everything to look forward to? He went from riding a camel probably to walking. Going, man, I wish I had a camel. But he's walking around with the gospel because he was changed. And that's why we're here. We're not here to go with the flow, we're not here to float with the trend. We are here to be who we are. We are here to continue in that which we have learned, we're here to continue in that which we know is right and that which we know works. What happened this morning? Who is the Lord that on the 30th birthday of this congregation with all that stuff I had ready? <laughs> I mean, I was going to recognize people. I was going to kind of we are going to do a little dance through the history of the church and all this with everything old brother Andy had prepared and I was ready to go with all that that the Holy Ghost would say happy birthday children happy birthday children you've been faithful in a few things I'll make you ruler over many you've held on and I'll bless you we were acknowledged this morning the king of glory shown his favor on us this morning not only with old folks but young people saw my grandson my grandchildren in this altar this morning Beverly wasn't raised in this but she was the first one come down out of the choir Old Cole just hanging on. He just hung on, smiled, just grinned. Yahoo! Somebody tell that boy later on, when you was a baby, I was there when your mama come out of the choir full of the Holy Ghost, shouting, praising God. You were riding her hip, son. That's a testimony right there. I know we got four. I got my testimony is a pit testimony. I was down in the middle of the pit, and the Lord pulled me out. That's a pretty good testimony. You know what the better testimony is? I cannot remember a day in my life when I did not serve the Lord. My earliest memories are in the house of God. And you can't fool me with a counterfeit because I have experienced the genuine. And you lay that counterfeit junk on me if you want to, but I'm not going to accept it because I know better. Praise God. We got, I mean, and and the reason I told Sister Joanne, when she came in, the reason I asked that question this morning, I looked back and I saw Joanne, I saw all them McGraws on that one pew, and it just hit me. I said, You know, they some folks that was raised in this. And so I asked the question, How many of y'all was raised in this? Well, here comes Frank McGraw's bunch. There's Frank McGraw's bunch. Man of God pray like a singing. I never heard anybody pray like Frank McGraw pray. I'd stop, I'd hush, just listen to him pray. Down on his knees. Everything he had, all his strength, was in that prayer. He wasn't distracted by anything else. And this morning, his children are in the house of God. There's a reason for that, folks. Let us continue in the things which we have learned. Let us press on until the coming of the Lord because there ain't nothing worth trading what the Lord has done for us. I mean, I'll be just as upfront and I'm on a hush. I'm not interested to be the most famous preacher in the world. I'm not interested in people saying, hey, don't you pastor the biggest church in Chateau County just for pastoring the biggest church in Chateau County. I ain't interested in that fame, that stuff at all. I'm interested in the salvation of souls. You know, we, do, we don't know which angry young man is going to come in this house and somebody going to get loose. Somebody just going to say, I'm just going to obey God. And it may not make sense to anybody else, but the Lord told me to do that, and I'm going to do it. I'm just going to obey God. And we'll never know who that angry young man might be, but all of a sudden he is confronted with the reality of God Almighty. And the Spirit of God takes the gospel and puts it right between his eyes and says, boy, this is the truth. And he says, yes, Lord, what would you have me do? And history's changed. You know what would have happened if that fellow in El Paso had got saved? We wouldn't be talking about El Paso today. That boy up in Dayton had gotten saved the week before. We wouldn't be talking about a massacre in Dayton, Ohio. That man with a knife had got saved the day before. We wouldn't be talking about a fellow that killed four people, stabbed him to death. We can go on and on and on. The only hope for lost mankind is Jesus Christ and the power of his gospel to change a life. Stand with me all over the house. He's through with me.